Hello, my name is Sahila, and this is the Learn to Let Go podcast, usually with Kathy Nguyen, but she couldn't be here today, so we have my man, Zach Caldecott, and our special guest, special guest, he is a small business owner, a poet, among many other things, Tino Jove. Tino, welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks for having me, it's a good time. It's a great time. Welcome to the podcast. So how's been your week, bro? Um, I mean, we've just started um lots of lots of stuff. I'm 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 a student as well, so I, I told myself I'd start catching up with school on Monday, but you know, that didn't happen. So hopefully <laughs> I'll start catching up with school today. Um I got I got a bunch of work stuff done though. By a bunch I mean mm. more things. <laughs> <laughs> so small small incremental steps to progress. <laughs> hey, so that's good. that's how we progress. You're an economics major, right? Who myself? Yeah. No, I'm a marketing major. You're a marketing major. So, what's the difference between that and like economics and business? Um. Well, marketing is a segment of business. Um, mm-hmm. Economics looks more at the theory of the environment in which business operates. Right. Uh, so, for instance, in business, we learn, you know finance and how to do financial projections, um, you know, like how to forecast, like leveraging, gearing, that sort of thing. Whereas in economics, you would more, learn more so the result of the business environment, right? So you, you'd learn items that are associated with, you know, government policy and how that's going to affect how you operate in that business. So if, you, if you're going to look at it um, kind of like, um, kind of like a machine, Right. Mm-hmm. Economics would be where the machine would be used. So, for instance, a car, right? Economics would yeah. be you are building this car for the desert, and economics would be the desert, right? And yeah. This would be the actual mechanisms of the car. Like, okay, if we're going to have this car operating in the desert, which is that, you know, economic environment, we should probably have like tires and wheels. Um, that are accustomed to that. Now, those tires and the wheels, um, you know, are the aspects of business you study. So business is the car, and then marketing would be like the wheel, and then finance would be like the brake pads, you know, and then accounting would be like the engine. You know, like that's kind of how that would work, if that makes sense. My gosh, you just explained the car parts of business. I feel encouraged. I feel inspired. <laughs> literally what drives business literally so yeah. could you tell us about your business yeah so i, I mean like if, if you can hmm? yeah yeah no for sure um I, I recently started a new business it's called my gift me and it's it's skip the dishes for retail right mm-hmm. it's a marketplace that hosts uh, numerous small businesses and small creators um in one place and allows people to buy from them and uh, you know we offer same day delivery you know, so picture, you know, you want to buy something from Aldo, you'd go on our platform, you'd click Aldo, you'd buy a pair of shoes, you know, you'd pay a delivery fee, we'd pick it up and we'd drop it off. Well, and uh, the other aspect of that is we actually opened up the marketplace for stores that are not um, partnered with us to still provide them with delivery. So if, say, you, for example, buy something from Walmart um, and you don't want to drive all the way to Walmart, you can just go on our platform and ask us to just pick it up and you just pay the delivery fee. 
Same thing with the store, right? If a store is like, look, I don't want to pay the 10% commission that we take on sales, but I do want to use the delivery service, they can just go on our website and ask us to deliver a package for them, right? So it's made it very accessible for uh, stores and for users to buy things, right? So for instance, if you live in the South, and you want to buy something in Garden City, you might not want to drive 45 minutes to get it, right? So you mm-hmm. buy it anywhere online, ask us to go pick it up if they're not a partner. If they are a partner, you can just buy straight away from our site, right? And uh, the same-day delivery option also means that you get your items as soon as you need them. Um, yeah, so so cool aspect, you know, student, it's a, it's a student-run uh, business. Well, I'm a student myself, and uh, we primarily employ students and recent grads. And by recent grads, I mean someone who's literally graduated like, like you know, a semester ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's 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 about that's that's what the business does, um, and and you know the the whole goal is to increase accessibility for for the people involved and for small business owners. A cool thing, so we only take ten percent commission on sales. Our competition is taking twenty five to thirty percent on sales. So that makes their platforms really inaccessible, right? Mm-hmm. For people with smaller profit margins, because if you're only profiting thirty percent anyway on your product, as a lot of small sellers and small businesses are. Right, they're taking the entire profit. You know what I mean? That's um, great. Go ahead. That's great. Yeah, right. So we wanted to make it as accessible as possible. So we we take a smaller percentage, and uh, another item that we do a little bit differently is because we we do care about our staff. We pay our staff hourly, so we don't pay them per delivery. Uh, oh, that's, that's so good. We want to make sure that everyone's taken care of in the ecosystem, right? Um, I I feel I we made the business in order to provide a environment for people who would usually not have access to things you know so so that's that's kind of what 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 we are and what we do mm-hmm. can you tell the people where they can find this business on the yeah for sure the website yeah yeah the website is mygiftme.com and then instagram is at mygiftme all right so for those who who didn't hear that or for those who couldn't um i don't know for some reason if you can't spell that out I will put that in the in the description of this episode. Please go check it out. Please support Winnipeg local businesses. For those who do not who do not know, for our American audience, skip the dishes is like DoorDash. It's like Uber, Uber Eats. Eats. It's very similar to those products. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so is it only available in Canada right now? Do you have any like plans to expand? Yeah. So it's we're only we're only in Winnipeg right now. I will right. October. And uh, we are expanding to outer cities. So right now, our goal we're going to be expanding to Brandon, Steinbeck, Selkirk, the outer cities of Manitoba. So we want to provide service to individuals who typically have to drive into Winnipeg as the capital of Manitoba to get certain goods. We want to have we want to cut that that out for them, right? We want them to be able to just purchase and have us drop drop it off. So we're expanding that part of the business um, in the next two months. So hopefully by April. And then we're we're gonna be going into Saskatchewan and Alberta within the year. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 cool. It's we are bootstrapping everything, so so that's why progress is a bit slow. So all all the funding that that um, we're using for the business comes from the business and from myself. Hmm. Right. Wow. So that's why progress is a little bit slower. Um, but you know, small incremental steps to progress. Rome was not built in a day. <laughs> Absolutely. That's yeah. the that's the right mindset to have. Yeah, man. Like it, it doesn't help to to think you're going slow when you're going as fast as you can. You know? <laughs> hey, um, as a young black owned business, 
I get it. I get it. It it takes a while to get there, but we have to believe that one day we will get there. And I do like this business. I have um, heard of it because I am friends with some of the people in the co-ownership of your business, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, I have a business partner. Yeah, I'm friends with like a lot of your people. So um, yeah, yeah, I've known about this for a while, but I'm I'm glad to hear about it in more detail now. Yeah, man, it's 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 pretty cool. I think I think the most important thing about anything, not just mm-hmm. business, but just in, if you want to do anything, is just to start, right? Just start. It's it's yeah, start I, where you are. I'm sure you have noticed that with most um, people of our culture, they tend to just talk about things and never start them. So it's actually good to hear you started. Well, I don't I don't think I actually don't believe that it's people's fault that they talk about things and they don't start. I mm-hmm. think it is how we've been conditioned to perform activities. Mm-hmm. Like like for instance, you don't just go in and start writing an exam. You're told, you know, you get three months, you learn the information and then you know Get another month, you study it, and then you're told when the exam is going to be, and then you get a time. For, you know, like that's how that's how a lot of people function, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and that's how we. That's yeah. How a lot of pieces of our lives are right. So we are told we have to know everything before you can accomplish something, right? Oh. I think, yeah, that makes sense. I think for me, um, whenever I wanted to achieve something, I always looked at the end result and didn't like take into account of all the little steps that I needed to take. So I would just give up Mm. once I reevaluated and learned that there's a lot of little things that need to be done before I can come anywhere near accomplishing my goal. It became a lot easier for me to begin the process of actually Mm -hmm. one day getting to that larger goal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Breaking it down, breaking down, breaking down a goal is super important, right? Because it, it stops looking like you said, right? If, if you look at where you want to be and where you are, it seems like a mammoth task. Right. Absolutely. Right. Like, like no way. If you think you told Steve Jobs that if Steve Jobs had looked at Apple and said, you know, I'm going to try and build like a billion dollar company today. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's not realistic, but it's like, I'm going to make a phone, you know, I'm going to make one phone, you know, and then move from there. Mm -hmm. So, so it's good to identify those small steps into building your larger company maybe maybe that's why we fail is that we've been kind of taught this express culture is that if things don't work out in three months eh, don't don't keep pursuing it well even even that in that whole if things don't i i think it's always important to know when to stop (laughs) (laughs) when do you know when to stop though for for me for me i i know i i know when to stop I, I've always learned how to stop very, like too late in the process. <laughs> like I always, I, I always kind of stop when, when, when I, when, when. Can I swear in this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always learned to stop sure. when shit is not bad. You know, um, which is why I got a business partner. I got a business partner because he he knows how to stop sooner. He knows how to stop soon. He um, so he's but, kind of like the safe, safety net that is. Exactly. So I, I think for me anyway, learn how to stop. Man, I don't think I've ever stopped. I think I always just reevaluate. So John, what well, well, motivates you to continue? I usually just 
there's an interesting thing that I learned. They say like a lot of risk t- risk takers, you know, like entrepreneurs or whatever, you know, you need a certain level of ignorance and arrogance, right? You need to be arrogant enough to believe you can do anything and ignorant enough to know, to not know the extent of the task you want to complete. Mm, that's a really right. good way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So for me, what motivates me to continue is like most times I actually don't know how hard it's going to get. Mm-hmm. Right. So in my head, it always seems doable. <laughs> it, it, it never it's seems almost like possible. It's, it almost seems like the more you progress, the more difficult it could become, but the challenge itself could be exciting. Exactly. Right. Because it's, it's kind of like playing a video game, right? Like, oh, yeah. Right. Like, you, you start yeah. at level one and then, like, it gets harder at level two. 25 but because you've done 25 levels you're kind of like i can probably beat level 25 you know right it's like i've beaten 24 levels like how hard could the next one be i've got i've accomplished so much so what's next and that's another thing another thing about learning to stop is 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 the sunk cost fallacy right you're like i've already put five thousand dollars into this i can't stop now well yeah stop at five thousand don't get to (laughs) ten right you know, yeah, you got you got to have a limit as well. Like for me, um, you know, I've I've liked to dabble in screenwriting mm-hmm. over the years, and I was never successful because the planning was so poor on my end. Mm-hmm. I didn't take time to develop the story. I didn't take time to develop the character. I didn't plan out scenes, so I would just mindlessly write, mm-hmm. and the dialogue was poor, mm-hmm. and there was nothing actually really happening of substance, mm-hmm. and then I stopped. And then I recently came up with an idea and I've been working with somebody for a couple months now mm-hmm. and we planned everything out. We planned out every scene. We wrote uh, full descriptions of the characters and we're now like two thirds of the way done with the first draft. So mm-hmm. if you plan, if you take time that we, it, we didn't even take that much time to plan, but we executed mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. So we were able to begin the process and we've been doing this for like two and a half months now every week. And it's been awesome. So planning, um, yeah. and taking every small detail into account is extremely important for success in any, any measure. Yeah, man. And I think just on kind of on that note about planning, I I'd also say the great thing about planning is it sets the direction, right? You know exactly what you need to do every day to reach the goal. You know what I mean? Hmm. I get it. Um, I think just also just kind of on the note of knowing when to stop, sometimes it's not a matter of knowing when to stop, it's knowing when to pivot. Ah, I see. So right. Like knowing when to shift the idea. So I, I kind of think with what you did, Zach, is you, you knew when to pivot, right? It was, yeah. I need to stop what I'm doing right now and change my method. Right. Because I've gotten advice in the past where it's like, oh, just write. No problem. And like, that didn't work for me. It's not bad. And it, it kind of gets the ball rolling, but mm-hmm. that can only go so far where you just, you're stuck. It's like, all right, where do I go from here? Mm-hmm. The hardest thing with anything is getting started, especially if you don't know what, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So if you take the time to research and learn and go about it slowly in the right way at a comfortable pace, success is a lot more likely. So I totally agree with you. 
Well, I'm actually going to touch on what you said there. I think, though, that the fact that you had started writing before you had a, before you knew how to plan allowed you to start planning because you knew what, what, what not to do. It, yes, exactly. I needed to make those mistakes to get to a point where I knew what wasn't going to work for me moving forward. Mm-hmm. But I utilized um, the new people I was meeting to mm-hmm. get the resources I needed to um, do this the right way. Or else I would have, or else I would have followed, you know, continue mm-hmm. the same cycle where I write, I get excited, I lose wind, and I'm done. It's sometimes yeah. it's very hard for me to stay focused for more than a couple weeks on something. I lose oh, yeah. interest quickly. Oh yeah, so, then, yeah. Yeah, on that, I think it's also super cool that you found people to help you stay focused because I find that it's very easy to let ourselves down. It's hard at oh another person. hundred percent. That I couldn't agree more. Right. So having another person who's looking at you, you're like, okay, I kind of, okay, if I don't do this, it's not just, it's not just me. Right. Right. I'm I'm accountable for somebody else as well as myself. So I want to be able to contribute as much as this person's willing to contribute. Exactly. So which, which is why getting a partner is super important. Getting a partner is super important. Oh, yeah. Hello, this is me, Tehillah from the Learn to Let Go podcast. It's just to remind you guys, you can follow us on the Learn to Let Go pod on Instagram. Thank you so much. We also have a Facebook page. Follow us on there too. You can also find us on the Anda Records page on YouTube. Hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. But, you know, I think it's time to pivot mm-hmm. into what the episode is about. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Zach, do you know what the episode is about? Remind me and everybody else. I do I'm know what it's about, but tell the people. I don't know what it's about. Um, so this oh. episode is about... <laughs> I do know it's about relax back. Um, so this episode is about cursing. Cursing? Yes. So it was weird when you brought it up earlier. So it's weird when you brought it because I didn't tell you what it's about on purpose. So you are someone who is very artsy. You're you're a very artsy guy, I, I presume. Mm-hmm. You have a whole show which you stopped doing for some reason, and for you've some done. Reason. For yeah. some reason. Uh-huh. And you are a very, I think you're a very um, active poet in the Winnipeg community, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Like, you, even if you don't participate all the time, you at least know what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. So, I did want to ask you, um, what do you think in art? Do you think that cursing adds something or it doesn't? Hmm. Uh, Zach, why don't you start in your screenwriting? When do you have characters that curse? Sure. No, that yeah, that's a really good question. So, I'll just start with me. So, I I, I think people definitely express themselves through cursing, but it's not necessary. But mm. there's nothing wrong with it. Mm. So sometimes it's I'm so programmed to just use curse words in certain situations when speaking. Mm-hmm. But I find that if I could take a spe- step back, I can almost program myself mentally to mm-hmm. speak a little bit more eloquently and avoid using curse words. Um, mm-hmm. In screenwriting, based off the type of movie it is, there are a lot of curse words. It, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you can you can write something. You can write poetry. You can write short stories, articles, and um, there won't be um, – the story will be fine. <laughs> I think it's really particular to the writer or the person speaking. Mm-hmm. But for me, I found that I can be successful communicating um, by cursing or not cursing. Mm. 
I, I'll, I'll add to that. I agree with you that I think sometimes cursing for artists, so I'm, I'm, I'm a writer and a, and a performer, so like words are kind of like where, you know, my art comes from. Mm-hmm. So for me, I found that cursing can make you a lazy writer. Oh, really? Right. Because it's easier to throw a curse word in something than to think of an actual word for it. So I think, yeah. yes, I, that does make sense. So I feel like from a screenwriting standpoint, you're writing characters. Mm-hmm. So you have to, like, based off some of the characters I've written, mm-hmm. um, curse words would most definitely be in their vocabulary. But then mm-hmm. there are people I've written where they don't curse at all. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if I'm writing characters, excuse me, it depends more on the person I'm writing um, the dialogue for. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think also in that, in that, in that, you know, same kind of direction, even in poetry, it's sometimes you write poetry, not from your own perspective. Right. So right. when you're writing a character, you're like, okay, this character curses, that's what they are. That's what they do. Right. That's, it's, it's part of their book. It's part of who they are. And you're creating a whole person in, in, in poetry and in speaking, however, it's the same concept of it's a cursing poem, right? So it's so an example would be if you're angry, right? You can yeah. throw you know an f bomb here and there, right? Because our angry people do, right? Or if you're portraying an unreasonable situation, right? Mm-hmm. However, sometimes I find. In writing descriptions or in descriptive writing, curse words can take away from the joy of, of the artistry of writing, right? So, for instance, here's, here's something, right? Instead mm-hmm. of saying, you know, um, when he, like, this was fucking ridiculous, right? Yeah. Right, or, you know... I could describe something as idiotic, you know, I could use, or even this, here's, here's a good example, right? Instead of saying this guy, this guy blew his fucking top, right? Yeah. In this pro, so that, that describes that he's, he was really upset, right? I could, he spoke as if molten lava was dripping from his tongue. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. So you could be very that. eloquent and creative with your dialogue if you're not cursing. That's that is a good point. You know what I mean? But mm. but like you said, it depends on the character, right? Sometimes the character just doesn't have the sometimes you build a character or you're describing someone who doesn't have an extensive dialogue, right? An extensive an extensive vocabulary and you have to throw those curse words in, right? But I right. I just find that in, in art sometimes cursing makes makes it me, makes me lazy. Mm. You know? Like How do you feel? to write a, a poem that I just say, you know, fuck you, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Instead of like yeah. describing the emotion that I'm feeling, you know? Right. How do you feel about it like in other people's media, like except for your own? Like if you heard me do it, like in a poem or something, how would you feel about it? Would it be about the context of using it? Or would you just immediately think, ah, he's trying to take a shortcut because he didn't know what to put there? Uh, it it depends on how I think about you. <laughs> so, 
so for instance, if I I'm a J Cole fan and a Kendrick yeah. Lamar fan, right? So mm-hmm. when I hear J Cole and Kendrick Lamar swear, I'm like, yeah, they probably thought thought about this and they should, they put that word in for a reason. It's part of the song, right? Mm-hmm. But like when I hear like I don't know Trippy Red or like whatever, like little whoever's like swear, I'm like, they actually just don't know words. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you're gonna like lyrically, J Cole is like on another level than like a trippy red. So like he doesn't need to use curse words to like fill up a song. Yeah, you know, like he's he's a little bit more eloquent when he's rapping. So yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, so it it depends on what I think about you. If 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 I'm predisposed to thinking Yali, you you don't have words, <laughs> then, it, yeah. then you know, okay, this dude is gonna curse because. It's kind of simpler for him. Yeah, um, right. I also think like cursing is like a culture thing, right? I think like like it depends on where you at. Like if if like um like somewhere deep in Zambia, right? Mm. I can't just let curse words fly because it's or I can't use the same type of English curse words because it's like irregular there. So mm. it would stand out, but if you say like curse words in Bemba, no one will really like flinch or be like, "Oh my gosh, you're so abhorrent." Mm. So you I, know, think- I mm. yeah, oh, I was gonna say, um, there's definitely a time and place, you know, for for cursing. Like if I'm yeah. at a Thanksgiving dinner with my entire family, no, I, I won't, I won't curse. <laughs> but if I'm hanging out with my friends mm. and we're, yeah, I'll, I'm more likely to curse. But you know there there have been times when I'm talking and I find myself cursing more than usual and I have to take a step back and say uh, mm. I don't really want to speak this way. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but I'm like I have a better vocabulary personally than this. So let me mm-hmm. let me use my words a little bit more. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think on that note, in terms of where to curse, I think sometimes curse words can be liberating. Mm. What do you I- mean? If I'm in an environment where I feel that I I cannot be who I am, I would throw a curse word out for shock factor. To hmm. test the waters? Huh. Not even test the waters, but in it, it's almost it's almost defiant, right? It's like I I I want to assert my position as an individual. Yeah. Right. Right. Because sometimes it's an environment where you wouldn't normally curse, but because of the situation, you're like, look, if I don't do something quote unquote dramatic here, I'll never be able to express myself. Oh, right. And once you stop conforming to that, you kind of non-conformity breeds freedom. Oh. Because eventually people are just gonna be like, ah, bro, look, he curses in front of the grandparents, man. Like <laughs> do what he wants, you know. Yeah, and it allows you to get away with a lot more. When people have lesser expectations of you, it allows you to do more. So I, I think sometimes cursing can be liberating. Yeah, I feel like there's definitely a time and a place, you know? Like, there are some times where I just want to curse a lot. And there are some times where I'm like, all right. Like, I know at most jobs I have, I can't be cursing. Oh, it's yeah. It's taboo. It's not, it's not a good thing to do. It's it would be considered unprofessional in certain work environments, mm-hmm. and then there are other work environments where a curse word comes out of someone's mouth every other word. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I also think sometimes curse words are very descriptive. Like, bro, when when you 
stub your little toe in a corner, you can't just say, oh, flip. Like, that's not a movement. <laughs> that's not, not going to work. Never. Campaign, you know? Never. You know, mm. not that exactly. kind of thing, you know? Like, I think sometimes curse words are very descriptive as to exactly what's going on. Mm. Yeah, that's why I feel like it's like, a, it's more a culture thing than like a real thing. I don't think like, because like most people, if you grow up like in an Anglo-Christian society, right? They will portray that the curse words itself are bad. Mm-hmm. But I don't think so. I think it depends on the culture or where you're at. Like, like let's look at the word, like a word like crap, for example, right? Mm-hmm. In some places, crap is just an ordinary word. Mm-hmm. It just refers to poop. In other mm-hmm. places, it's like on the same level as an F or something. So mm-hmm. like, that's why for me, when people talk about curse words, like, I don't think they, I don't think they know what they're talking about necessarily because this word, maybe like 1000 years ago, just referred to defecation. How has it suddenly <laughs> become a curse word? It's how kind of it like suddenly... bitch, right? Like bitch is yeah. just a dog. It's just a female dog. That's what it is. Yes. How did, how did this suddenly become a word of like disrespect? I think it depends on the usage of it and the person saying it like like um like the word used to to degrade most women like if you if you call it like a woman a whore right mm. like that word if you look at the intent of the person saying it, you can tell they're trying to hurt somebody then there are other places where like dang you ho you can see like someone's just trying to have fun they're at the party oh be a hoe here it's just, it's just it's stuff like that so i don't necessarily think that like the words themselves are bad. Mm-hmm. I think that um, intent should be taken first because I think the Bible in Ephesians says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm-hmm. So people will try to say that in terms of, no, don't say curse words. But I think what it's saying is that the intent of how you say things matter. Like, are you trying to purposely hurt? Is what you're saying purposely trying to hurt people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I, I think I think it's more about that. I think we've kind of like mixed our our values and our culture and our religion to make regular things become crimes now. Yeah, I feel that. So, in your opinion, because I know that's just that's just a Taylor thought, and Taylor yeah. thoughts be wild. So, um, <laughs> in your opinion. Do you think curse words are a real thing or it's just a thing we decide as a culture is real? Well, I, I think I, I'm, I'm a constructivist, so I believe we create the world in which we live in. So, like, I don't, I don't think, like, a, a, a word is not inherently bad. Mm-hmm. Like, words are just not inherent. They're just words. They're just things. They're just a collection of sounds. They're not, they're not inherently bad. It's, it's, it is how we interpret them that makes it bad. So I don't even think it's about the intention of the person saying them. I think it's about the interpretation of the person receiving them. Like, I'm a... Oh, been, yeah. Right. Yeah I've, yeah, I've always been a huge advocate of, like, I'm responsible for what I say, not what you understand. oh my gosh yeah you're blowing my mind right now i know i know (laughs) i got a whole new perspective right now (laughs) right like yeah because a lot of times people who say something and someone will decide on their own to be offended (laughs) right yeah and you're like well 
if you listen to what I actually said, this this is not an offensive thing that I say. Right? Like, here's a, here's a very here's a very good example of that, right? If I see someone and I'm like, hey man, like you've really put on, you know, a lot of weight. Yeah. Right? Like, that's not an offensive statement. Mm. Like, think it's it is literally just stating a fact of observation. I just stated a thing. Mm. It's something you noticed. It's yeah, like saying I just, the ball is red. Yeah, I'm just like, I, I saw you, when I saw you, you were 140 pounds, now you're 250. Like, it's, mm. I'm just saying, I'm just stating a fact. Mm. Like, if, if it was a lie, that would, you know, then I'm responsible for saying a lie. Right? Hmm. But if I just said it and it's just true and then you get mad at me, I'm like, why are you mad at me? Do you think no. it's more to do with their inner um, self or their inner feelings? or? Yeah, like don't project people... your offense towards mm-hmm. me. You know? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's really important. Even And with curse words, it's the exact same thing, right? You'll see, you'll see like someone will be like, bitch and then someone would get offended and someone like bitch and then like oh bitch you know (laughs) you know it's like a weird thing when you when you add the high note it becomes perfectly fine (laughs) yeah right and and Mm -hmm. that's the thing right like it's it's nothing where i'm like look when i said it you have no idea what my intent was regardless of my note ah right but if you get offended you cannot say Tino wanted to offend me because you don't know what my intention was. Mm. Yeah. Right. And mm. there's other situations where things are just inherent with where, where, the, where you have said something that's blatantly offensive. What would you think that are blatantly, blatantly offensive, offensive are typically things that have um, readily available knowledge. Right? Like what? Like in this current political climate, a white person calling a black person a nigger. Mm-hmm. Like that that is offensive because it is well known that that is an offensive term when said by this like race of people. That's well known. That's a well known thing. So in that sense, in that sense, statement, you are responsible for what you've said is an offensive thing. So same thing with crosswords, right? Like you're a person is only ever responsible for what they say don't hold them accountable for your feelings about it Uh, that's my that's just my two cents i learned that the hard way um when dealing with white folk right so like you know that like there's a specific way black folk talk to each other right Mm -hmm. so like when like white folk are near that and they see you talking the way you talk with your other black folk Mm -hmm. they think it's somehow cool for them to talk like y'all So I have learned that when I'm around certain like white folk who are not used to being around black people, I will talk in a certain way where like I don't do all those black things I usually do with my black friends because because mm-hmm. like on their part, right? Not not saying to excuse the ignorance, but on their part, they've never been around black people. Mm-hmm. So when you say like N words and stuff, they'll think like, oh, that's what we say here. We're all friends. They'll get it and they come, hey, my N word, what you say? <laughs> and it, it just becomes this weird thing where 
like me personally i've just decided that around white people i will not talk as freely as i would with you mm. because you never know why well, and i think that's important too to realize how you want to be spoken to and take that you know upon yourself i also think that yeah you know what yeah I, like i i think it's important right but i also think in that sense i also think like taking responsibility for the environment you create is also it's also an important thing right and and yeah yeah that makes sense right like you can't you can't be in a house and you scroll the time and you expect your kid to not pick up on it and you get mad at them no that's your fault <laughs> it's on you i think when it comes to children I think like parents know their kids curse is just not a part of them. I think as a parent, you shouldn't shield your kids from curse words. You should at least tell them where it's appropriate. But that that's just my real parenting because I think parents try to pretend things don't exist. And with that being said, we have reached the conclusion of the episode. So gentlemen, what do you think we need to learn to let go of as a culture when it comes to cursing should we let go of the stigma of it or should we not let go of it at all um i'll i'll start because i i, I think that we need to view language for what it is and not what we wish it was and when it comes to cursing specifically i think we need to understand the reason we're cursing so keep curse keep the cursing but understand why you're doing it. Huh. for me i mean i definitely agree with what you just said um i like what you mentioned earlier about you know words are kind of just words and i'm gonna say what i'm gonna say most of the time, but it's kind of up to how you interpret it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's just, there's nothing wrong with it, but I guess there are definitely certain situations where it calls for it more or less. So it depends. It's reading a room sometimes to figure out when it's appropriate. Because hmm. sometimes I want to curse, but I, like, I know how other people may perceive me cursing or how they could be offended. And... You know, sometimes I just don't want to offend anybody. I get that. I get that. Sometimes, I said. Not all the time. Sometimes. Uh, for me, I'd, I'd prefer not to do it in, like, professional contexts and, like, certain contexts. But I don't think that... I think we should erase the stigma of getting mad when other people do it. I don't think yeah. it's your right to tell other people what they should do or not do just because you personally maybe because of your faith maybe because of your whatever i don't think it's right to tell people how to live just because you feel that your way of living is the right way to live and with that being said this has been the learn to let go podcast with my guests zach aldicott from strangers no more media go check out his website this has been tino jove Tino Hovey, could you remind the people where to find you, where to follow you? If they yeah, want no, to you can follow me on Instagram, um, just at the Tino Hove. And uh, you, can, you can also check out our, our website, uh, mygiftme.com. It's a, it's a vibe. All right. And if you're in Winnipeg, I guess you might see Tino Hove. Um, you might 
get you might get to see him do poetry you might get to, to make do deliveries with him and with this company please support black businesses thank you for listening to the podcast happy to be here thank you